When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The NFL Scouting Combine is in full swing in Indy as the speed and power of the 2023 draft class has been on display inside Lucas Oil Stadium and the prospects are here. B. John Robinson, the running back out of Texas, we'll be talking about him today and you don't want to miss where somebody says he could go maybe a little higher than you would think for a running back. Will Levis is going to throw tomorrow. Hear why he says he made that decision. Confidence at a very high level as it should be. And C.J. Stroud, we have an interview coming your way with him in just moments where you find out exactly what motivates him and why he thinks he should be the number one quarterback taken in this year's draft. Welcome to NFL Live. We are here for two hours as we're going to get you caught up on everything going on here. Lewis Riddick, Mina Kimes, Ryan Clark, Dan Orlovsky, who's dancing. Is that and what I we're calling it? <laughs> What is that? It's like a, it looks like a grandpa dance, actually, to be totally honest. Well, dad jokes, grandpa dancing. He's just a true all-American hero. I just bring the juice. Let's go. Fart. All right, 120 let's... minutes. Mm, okay. Uh, reminder of the schedule here today. Wow. On the field right behind us. Workouts going on right now with the defensive backs. The cornerbacks running the 40-yard dash. We'll bring you times as we get them officially. Live coverage now on NFL Network and NFL Plus through this evening as the DBs continue to work out. So we'll keep you updated there. And we begin the show with quarterback Bryce Young, the top prospect on many boards. His size is the question. Today, he told the media he's been weighing around 200 pounds we'll see how his exact measurements come in tomorrow I asked him the question so many NFL teams asked him yesterday when he met with them here's what he said about some of those concerns you're not going to be surprised by this your size is going to be part of the conversation what do you say to someone who doubts you because of your size um you know it's fair it's fine by me um again I can't control that, but uh, I know myself. I know what I'm capable of. I know the work that you know I've put in, and that I'm going to continue to put in. And for me, um, I can control what I can control, and I'm going to do everything I can to, um, you know, put myself in the best circumstance and do everything I can to help a team win. What's the best part of your game? Um, you know, for me, I, I feel like it's it's leadership. Uh, that's something I pride myself in um, as a quarterback in my position. I feel like uh, how good you are is how much you can make the people better around you. So um, that's what I pride myself in. I'm, I'm excited to, to get to my new home and, and, you know, try to earn that trust and leadership. Again, a reminder that Bryce Young, a quarterback that's not going to be throwing tomorrow, but he will throw, of course, at his pro day, which comes your He's way. He's looking down at March you. March 23rd. Uh, he's taller than me. I am I am yeah. I am five foot seven without <laughs> shoes on and he is significantly taller than me. So we'll leave that there. More, more actually on Next. the height coming the way. OK, yeah. but we'll get to this first. Uh, when we look at these teams that might draft young Dan, which one's actually the best fit for him? I think, first of all, understanding that scheme shouldn't matter that much with Bryce. Mm -hmm. I, I, he's scheme independent or yeah. scheme agnostic. I think a little bit more of the gun, a little bit more spread football. 
two distinct advantages that he has. Number one, he learned under Bill O'Brien. He is not a quarterback that goes to the line of scrimmage, claps, looks to the sideline, hey, coach, what should I do, and then goes to the line of scrimmage. He's mm. got complete autonomy, change plays and out of audibles, on the line of scrimmage, protections, all that stuff. So that gives him a distinct advantage coming out of college football. If I was going to pick a scheme, I would say Joe Burrows in Cincinnati, uh, mm. where he has the opportunity to be at the line of scrimmage, what's the defense in, see everything, and know exactly how to attack it. Catches the snap, peeks to the left, realizes it's man coverage, safety in the middle of the field, try to make him lean one way. He's got that inside slot fade, even though it's ideal coverage out of Tennessee. This ball reminds me of a Joe Burrow-type placement throw. So the ability for him to kind of be at the line of scrimmage and see everything and the ownership that Bill O'Brien entrusted him with gives him just a great advantage of knowing all the intricacies of playing quarterback and owning things when it comes to the communication. I don't think that there's a specific scheme that he has to fit into because of that kind of tool uh, skill set that he has. Yeah, I think – any scheme, any team can make it work. But I also think just watching that, there is something that the team that drafts him needs to prioritize. And for me, it flows from this. Bryce Young, when we think about the size, reminds me actually more of Drew Brees and Kyler Murray in his yeah, game. Sure. What did the Saints always prioritize when it came to Drew Brees? Internal Interior line. offensive line. Yep. So if it's a team like, say, the Colts at four that jumps up to get him, that's a team that last year their offensive line ranked last in the league in pass block win rate, 28th in adjusted sack rate. They improved as the season went on, but if I'm them and I'm drafting Bryce Young, I go out and I sign a guard in free agency. Or a team like the Panthers, we like a lot for him. Yeah. A team with an improving offensive line, I would still focus on the interior in particular. Yeah, the Panthers are, are a great pick. Because look, I'm a big believer in culture. I'm a big believer in the quarterback room. I'm a big believer in the coaching staff. Yeah. And look, Dan, look, you, you touched on this fact. He is He's really not scheme dependent, and right. quite honestly, the great coaches can adjust schemes to the point where they can really utilize a player's strengths and minimize his weaknesses. Frank Reich has coached numerous different types of quarterbacks. Josh McCown has played quarterback, the quarterback coach in Carolina, at a very high level. Thomas Brown comes from an offensive system that really emphasizes play action and 12 personnel, so he knows how to scheme up the run game and marry it with the passing game. Think about the minds that you have right there in Carolina mm -hmm. that could take a guy like Bryce Young, who you're saying can do so many different things, and we watch him. He could operate from under center. He could operate from the gun. He can get out on the perimeter and throw if he needs to. Sure. And he can create out of structure. Those three guys together with him, if they have the right interior group as far as guard, center, guard, to protect him down the middle so he can hit all those throws that you talk about that he hits in the middle of the field, yeah. he could take off rolling. The question is, you're sitting at nine. How do you get there if you want him that bad? Well, you also have to think about the Carolina Panthers. You're a team that in a draft that we, we felt had really good quarterbacks two years ago, you passed on Justin Fields. You yep. also passed on mm -hmm. Mac Jones. And I believe that yet that year they were sitting at eight and they draft J.C. Horn. And so now you do have to go be aggressive. You've seen all of these retreads, all of these free agents, guys who were thought to be good quarterbacks coming out of college, not pan out if you're the owner yep. Tepper in Carolina. So now are you going to make the moves? Are you going to give up what you need to to get a guy like Bryce Young when you look at this draft I know we're having these conversations about CJ Stroud who I think is a really good quarterback and probably closer to Bryce Young than we give him yeah. but Bryce Young's the dude yeah Bryce Young is the guy that since he stepped on the field at Alabama has shown that he's head and shoulders above any other quarterback at playing the position and executing it if you want to go win if you want to pick one of these dudes yeah. that walks into your building and is your quarterback day one you have to make the move to get Bryce Young. Carolina's the place we feel is set 
to take one of these young dudes, right. but will they go get the one I, in Bryce Young? I think we all agree. Carolina is the best place for any of them. Yes. Yes. Just in totality, it's going to be hard for them to probably get up to one. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the four teams that we're throwing around that should, Indy with Shane Steichen, he goes Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert, big quarterback, throw it downfield a ton, and then Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, quarterback run. Probably not exactly how you want to allow Bryce Young to thrive. And then we go to Houston, under center a little bit with Bobby Slowick from San Francisco. Las Vegas is a team that, and I'd go Josh McDaniel is Bill O'Brien. You're talking about a, a, a lateral transition scheme-wise mm, and, yeah. and the ownership of the line of scrimmage. I'll go back to that. Bryce had complete control of it. The Raiders is, are actually like the best, I guess, schematic is the fit when I look at it. What Not nearly good enough. Right. No. I think that's one of the things, too. Mm -hmm. Guys, later on, we're actually going to give you some more surprise teams that we think could try to go up and get Bryce Young or maybe another of these quarterbacks. We're going to leave it here for now. But to another story that we've been following here at the Combine, top D-line prospects from Georgia, Jalen Carter, returned to Indy after going back to Athens to briefly be booked in jail on misdemeanor charges of reckless driving. The charges are associated with the January deaths of offensive lineman Devin Willock and staff member Chandler Croy and surveillance video obtained by ESPN now shows Carter moments before the fatal crash racing with a vehicle that ended up in what was determined at the time to be a single car wreck. Details continue to come out about this story. But Adam, as we bring Adam Schefter in here and Matt Miller, uh, NFL teams continue their evaluations of Jalen Carter. What are you hearing? Well, it's a situation here, Laura, where they're going to continue to meet with him this week, gather as much information as they can. These are big decisions. Someone's got to make a big decision on whether to invest a high draft pick on Jalen Carter. And an incident like this will cause teams to do even more work than they already were. And they already were digging into the background of every one of these players before the draft. But when something like this comes up, inevitably, it leads to more questions. It's up to Jalen Carter to provide some of the answers to those teams this week. And it will be up to those teams to continue to do even more digging in the future until they feel comfortable enough about whether or not they should or shouldn't use a top pick on one of the top talents in the draft. Yeah, Adam, I mean, reaching out to scouts and coaches and general managers this week, that's the one thing I've heard is their team, they're scrambling now. You already knew you were coming here to do interviews, but now you're trying to find out more background information on top of this. And one thing I heard, Adam, is there were a lot of teams that thought they were out of the Jalen Carter sweepstakes because he was expected to be a top five pick. Now those teams in the teens are doing more work on Jalen Carter when they would have just done kind of an initial overview during the season. Now they're trying to find out more about yep. the person, the character, the football character, because they might have a decision to make in the teens unexpectedly. Yeah, again, Jalen Carter released a statement when this news came out saying that he expects to cooperate and be fully exonerated of these charges. We got a lot more coming your way here live from Indy at the NFL Scouting Combine. Keep it right with us. Ravens receiver Rashad Bateman had a fiery response to GM Eric DaCosta's criticism of the team's receivers. Here why Dan thinks there's some truth on both sides. We'll give you a Lamar update too. Plus, we welcome in Commanders head coach Ron Rivera to talk us through the state of the team, what he's looking out for in this draft class. Could they be a team trading up for a quarterback? We're going to ask him and you don't want to miss it. That's all coming your way from Indy on NFL Live. We'll be here with you for two more hours as we get you ready for the rest of the combine and of course the impending NFL draft. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. 
And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. Here's the week three XFL schedule Saturday night on FX. The Sea Dragons take on the Vipers. One team's going to get their first victory. And Sunday, the 2-0 Battlehawks square off against the 2-0 Defenders at 1 Eastern. Then it's the Guardians and Renegades, both of these on FX. The Brahmas and Roughnecks capping the day on ESPN2 and ESPN Deportes at 8 Eastern. Every game also available on ESPN+. Plus. Welcome back to the NFL Scouting Combine here in Indianapolis. NFL Live here with you for the next two hours. And Adam Schefter rejoining us for some top stories around the league. Some distinct running back themes going on here, Adam. Let's start with the latest on Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. Well, Laura, they're going to try to get a long-term deal done, but if they can't, their plan is to place the franchise tag on Josh Jacobs. They won't let him get out of Las Vegas. That's the plan. Initially, don't want him to leave and will tag him if they can't keep him. So that's the situation with Josh Jacobs, who is scheduled to become a free agent March 15th and last year had a career high in rushing yards. Again, the Raiders will not let him leave Las Vegas. The Cowboys will have a decision to make on Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott, who has no more guaranteed money left on his contract. And there are people around the league who believe that Zeke Elliott could be a potential salary cap casualty. He's due $16.7 million in salary this year. There's no way he's playing for that in Dallas this year. So the question is, how do they adjust that contract or do they simply move on from him, which is certainly a real possibility right now? The Giants also trying to get a deal done with Daniel Jones. If they get the deal done with Daniel Jones, that would leave the franchise tag for running back Saquon Barkley. If the Giants could get the deal done with Daniel Jones in time, but Saquon Barkley has become a prime candidate to get that franchise tag. Of course, it'll all be contingent upon the Giants trying to get that long-term deal with Daniel Jones. And they are making progress, and they are getting closer. And there are people that who believe that there is some optimism that the two sides could get something done before Tuesday's deadline, which would free up the franchise tag to use on Saquon Barkley. It's such an interesting situation because we know Daniel Jones wants to get paid, Adam, to your point, but they also have to figure out Saquon Barkley and that franchise tag is looming. We'll keep an eye on that one. Thanks for all the latest and more from Adam Schefter is coming. Let's get to another quarterback awaiting a deal. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. The deadline to designate the players who will be franchise tagged just four days from now, as Adam mentioned. That's Tuesday, March 7th at 4 p.m. Aside from the Lamar situation, seems the Ravens may have some other issues to deal with. GM Eric DaCosta spoke to the media about the Ravens' recent history with wide receivers. If I had an answer, that means I would probably have some better receivers, I guess. 
we're going to keep swinging. You know, uh, there have been some guys that have been successful players for us that were draft picks. Uh, we've never really hit on that all-pro type of guy, which is disappointing. But it's not for lack of effort. It's one of those anomalies that I really can't explain other than to say we're not going to stop trying. Okay, so Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman heard that. Uh, Baltimore drafted him in the first round of 2021. He took issue with DaCosta's remarks. Here's what Bateman had to say in a tweet that he has since deleted. He said, how about you play to your players' strengths and stop pointing the finger at us and number eight, who is Lamar. Blame the one you let do this. We take the heat 24-7 and keep us healthy. Care about us and see what happened. Ain't no promises, though. Tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason. I'm glad I got to read that tweet again today. I read it yesterday, and here we are again Adam <laughs> back with us this story has been bubbling now for about 24 yeah. hours where does it stand with the Ravens and Rashad Bateman and everything going well the on? Ravens and Rashad Bateman spoke about this particular issue and again he didn't hear the preceding questions that led up to this he heard the one comment and after he heard the Ravens explanation he deleted his tweet so obviously he didn't feel great about it at that point in time once he had spoken to the organization itself but look, this raises some questions and raises some issues between the two sides. And I think the bottom line here is that everybody is waiting to see what happens with Lamar Jackson, the quarterback. He's going to get the franchise tag. The question is, does he get the lower tag? Does he get the higher tag? We'll have to see how that shakes out here in the coming days. But clearly, there was some miscommunication because a couple of questions earlier, Eric DaCosta, the Ravens GM that he criticized there, was praising Rashad Bateman and then later responded in a different way to a different question which led to this whole brouhaha that still is percolating <laughs> i tell you what i mean the combine you just never know what's going to happen people start talking and people hear it who aren't here anyway it is something to keep an eye on either way um i, I liked earlier today when dan said he learned what capping was from you and marcus and so now he knows that's what, that's what family is about is teaching our right? brother and breaking okay, great. Him along. <laughs> you're so good with that rc do you think that the ravens have missed at receiver you know, you go back to Hollywood Brown. Uh, he was he was one of the guys they got an opportunity to draft early. And so maybe you think about the development of the wide receiver or putting him in a place where he can succeed. So maybe that's a situation or an opportunity where you feel like they missed. When I look at what Rashad Bateman was early on in the season, and maybe I'm wrong and you guys could correct me, I felt like he was starting to create big plays, I both agree. big plays with him pushing the football down the field, also run after the catch. And so it makes me look at his tweet where, he says keep us healthy right it seems like he's almost putting it on the team that Rashad Bateman is not on the field at the end of the season that Lamar Jackson hasn't been on the field at the end of the season of the season and then also when he says the one that's doing this is he's talking about the play caller is he talking about the head coach? And so when you have a tweet that is not clear, right, when there's no clarity on yeah. what you're speaking, but you know there is some negativity there, that tells me that there's so much more going on in that building that we're not used to associating with the Baltimore Ravens. But, but of course they've missed. Yeah. They, they, there's, there's no – Eric DaCosta didn't say anything that's not factually true. Since they drafted Lamar Jackson, they've drafted more receivers than anybody in the NFL. I mean, that's tied for the most in the NFL. They've drafted eight guys. Okay, so, Dan, when were they when were they in the spot to get Jamar Chase? Because no, that's how you don't miss. No doubt, never. You know I mean? But but I think I think the point is you've, you've drafted the most receivers in the NFL, tied for the most, yet your passing game has the least production. 
Greg Roman no longer there. This is not a Lamar thing. Be very clear. Greg Roman, their offensive play caller, no longer there. Todd Monken there. I think the thing where I sit here is like Eric DaCosta, again, he didn't say anything that's not true. But at some point, one of these receivers has to outperform their draft slot. Yep. And that's the reality of what hasn't happened in Baltimore. Like if I go right. in the division and I look at a Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh, he's outperformed the spot. A T. Higgins in Cincinnati, he's outperformed it. Tyler Boyd in Cincinnati. They've out no one in Baltimore wide receiver wise has outperformed the expectation of where they were drafted. Uh, it that, it like feels that. like that could be so scheme dependent too, which is totally, a, a huge completely. piece of it. Uh, Mina, four days from the franchise tag deadline, what do you think the Ravens should do? Well, regardless of which kind of tag they give him, and I think the you know whether it's exclusive or not has a lot to do with their rela relationship with Lamar and how he would react to that more than anything. Um, he can't play on the tag. Yeah. So either they tag him, fine, get the deal done, and we don't know what that deal is going to look like. Obviously, there's been a lot of smoke on both sides and how many guarantees or whatever, but either get the deal done or you do the mega trade mm. now. So Baltimore has to figure out, are we actually willing to meet Lamar in the middle to get this deal done? Because if they're not, and I've said in the past, I think they should, just okay. to be clear about that, yeah, yeah. you will never get a better trade than you will Ooh. right now, where when you trade him to a team, He's guaranteed, you know, they've got the tag. That team will give him the big contract he desires. Because here's the thing. Can if you it was explain a non to me why they'll never get more? Like, what, what is it the timing of where he sits with his it's deal? It's the timing of where he sits with his deal. Okay. Uh, you know, if it was the non-exclusive tag, yeah, they can get a couple of firsts. They should be able to get not only a couple of firsts and then some, those firsts should be extremely it's, valuable. That's what it you is. You want to do yes. a trade right now. If you're Baltimore and you're not going to get a deal done, where you are trading into a position where you can get one of these fun quarterbacks we've been talking about. Because here's the you. thing. If you trade him to a team, that team is going to be good. Right. But that but pick you get hey, next year is not to going say, to be valuable. Hey, you Caleb a fun Williams. team. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so you're saying where that team's going to pick in the first round yeah, to so impact. We're looking at the teams we've been talking about who would want a quarterback. Yeah. The Colts, yeah. the Raiders, the Falcons, all of them should be in the Lamar Jackson I think market. I think the Falcons are one of those teams that I really yes. look at that seems like the perfect place God, for Lamar so, Jackson. He would be so fun on the yes. Falcons. And, and with Arthur Smith, too, as a, a play offense. caller and coordinator, uh, head coach. Guys, that is fascinating. And if you think about the timeline here, we're just four days away from that franchise tag. Yeah. To, to Mina's point, if they're going to do a mega trade and they're going to do it now, this could happen really soon. So keep an eye on that. We got a lot more coming your way here on NFL Live from Indianapolis. The loaded defensive back class working out of the combine today. They're right behind us on the field. Who will we see locking receivers up next season? Here who RC thinks has the best chance to make an impact right away. He's an expert on these things. He's trained some of these guys. And later, Anthony Rich Richardson's natural talent is undeniable, but how will he fit into pro schemes? Well, Dan thinks he should follow the blueprint of one of the best in the league. Find out who that is next. As you see Richardson and Stroud walking right there together. I got to tell you, seeing them walking around here, they're built pretty well, guys. They, 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 they're ready to go. They're ready to play at the next level. <laughs> This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Man, I love a big guy running the 40. Makes me happy. Laura's love of big men. I've been knowing this for a long time, but it's not surprising. It's a true love for the way that they move, for their athleticism. It's funny because my husband is not a big man. Laura loves when people do unexpected things. It's almost like a mama bear where she says, you know what, I know, baby. They don't think that you guys can do the things that you do, and I just love it when you prove them wrong. Well, guys, uh, my feelings have not changed. Still celebrating the big men. And they were put on a show yesterday, okay? How about Pitts, Kalijah Kansi? He ran a 4.67 second 40-yard dash, the fastest by a defensive tackle at the NFL Combine since 2003. Look at him fly, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. Lewis, what have you seen from Kansi on the field? I see a guy who, Laura, when he lines up as a three technique, which we all talk about all the time on the airwaves, as a pass rushing defensive tackle on the outside state of the guard, he's one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country. And you see why right there, that first step quickness. You see the quick hand use to get the punch of the offensive guard off him, and then the acceleration into the backfield. There's always disruption when this guy is at the center of attention here. And here you're going to see, like, this the quick movement. You're going to see the bull rush, and then you're going to see him now just redirect and chase the quarterback down. So he has a great motor, and he's going to finish with authority. That looks like a number 99 he used to play for Pittsburgh, too. And then here's another one. Just watch this cross chop. That is something right there that some of the best pass rushers in the NFL. That's a move that they all use, popularized by Von Miller, used by Aaron Donald, used by all, you know, Max Crosby. They all do it. Kalijah right now, because of his quickness, because of his production, a unanimous All-American, I think right now the sky's the limit as far as he's concerned. Now the question is whether or not teams are going to look at his stature, yeah, look at yeah. his 30, you know, 30 and a half inch arms and go, well, we're not quite sure how high we can push him up. They made that mistake with Aaron Donald, if you remember. Oh, yeah. People wouldn't push him up the draft board because he wasn't ideally, you know, measured out as far as his arm length and, and his height and weight. Big mistake. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to that parallel, both pick yeah. guys. How about Addy Tamawa, Addy Barra, the D-line force out of Northwestern at 282 pounds. He ran a speedy 449 40-yard dash, tested in the 99th percentile in both the vertical and broad jump. He's an explosive athlete at the position. Just look at him out there. Matt, introduce us to Addy Barra. Yeah, Addy Barra, who could play all over the defensive line, and he did for Northwestern. This was something we actually saw at the Senior Bowl. He kind of moved all over the defensive line, like Lewis said with Kalaja Kansas. It's six foot two, so like you're gonna worry about the stature a little bit. But four four nine guys, they're wide receivers in the NFL who can't run a four four nine. So I will find a place for you on my defensive line if you have that first step quickness, that burst. And at 286 pounds, he brings power to his game. Rarely seen from somebody who again is running faster than Michael Thomas ran here, and he mm -hmm. set the record for catches in the season. Golly, you say it that way, and it's like crazy. My goodness, <laughs> get this guy on your team, drafting people. All right, this was fun to see. George's Nolan Smith, who's so many are rooting for after his season was cut short due to an early injury at 238 pounds Smith ran a 439 40-yard dash had a 41 and a half inch vertical jump he's the second heaviest player to run a sub 4440 and have a 40 plus vertical jump at the combine since 2006 behind only Vernon Davis you should have seen his Georgia teammates reacting watching him 
run that fast. Lewis, what do you think of Smith? Look, it's just ridiculous when you have guys with this height, weight, and speed, <laughs> yeah. okay? Because you, you sit there and you go, look, there's just so many things you can do with them. And at Georgia, they did the same thing. When they went to a sub front and they had four down, they used them as a nine-technique defensive end. When they were in an odd structure, they put him as a stand-up outside linebacker. So NFL teams are going, perfect. That's right. just the kind of guy I need. Von Miller talks about all the time, the thing that makes great pass rushers, first and foremost, is first step quickness. This guy looks like he is shot out of a cannon. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he can go. He just needs to get a little bit more lead in his pencil, so to speak, as far as being able to really to like really be able to drop the hammer on people when he bull rushes because yeah. he gets stalled out. But I'll tell you this, as far as speed rushing is concerned, look out. This and, guy can go. You know this, as far as taking coaching and development, one of the best. He was yep. a guy yeah. that even though he was hurt last year, was standing up on the sideline the entire time as almost a secondary coach for the team. Let's get to Will Anderson Jr. from yesterday. Will he remain at the top of the D lineman on team's boards? Well, here's how he tested. He measured it 6'3", 253 pounds, ran a 4'6"-second 40-yard dash. Matt, pretty impressive from Anderson. What do you think that means for where he might go? Uh, he, it means he should be the first pick in the draft is where I have and Will Anderson is the best player in this draft. He has been for two years. He would have been the top pick last year. The workout for me said so much because he didn't have to do it. In a year where he's either the top or the second guy on almost every draft board, for Will Anderson to come out here and say, I'm going to run, I'm going to jump, I'm going to do position drills, and you really just can't stop me he was excellent yesterday you could tell he was the best player on the field which is what you want to see in a situation like this do you stand out are you just we can watch you're the best player so I think the Chicago Bears have to have a conversation of do we trade back and miss out on this guy I wouldn't want to I'm not yeah. going back very far I mean that's a dilemma if you think he's the best player in the draft RC and then you're yeah. saying oh, we're going to give up that number one pick that we hold and we could certainly use his talents his skill set on this team well but you got to understand the Chicago Bears aren't a edge rusher being the best player in the draft away from winning a Super Bowl. There's so much right. more That's that right. they need, and they have to utilize that number one overall pick for that. You definitely don't want to get in a situation where teams are jumping you and they may fall in love with Will Anderson, but we know the teams that are quarterback hungry, right. and the Bears will know that as well, and they have to make sure they play it straight or close to the vest and understanding about getting as many picks as we yeah. want and not falling out of the Will Anderson sweepstakes. Yeah, and I think that's the key. Like They need a bunch of different positions. They need volume, and then they need to maximize that volume as yeah. far as hitting on these draft picks. So, And when you look at the depth of the pass rushers in this draft, and look at some of the athletes that are out here right now, Ooh. if you believe in your head coach and you believe in Matt Eberflus, you, you're going to believe that, look, he's going to coach some of these guys up, even if we don't get Will Anderson, that we'll be able to have strength in numbers and really round out this football team, yeah. and then we can stop all this talk about getting rid of Justin Fields, right? Yeah, Thankfully. let's stop yeah, that yes. here and now. I hate that. All right, <laughs> let's get to today. What's going on behind us right here? The DB's working out. Here's what to look for in these workouts. Wingspan for sure. The drills are most important for DBs as they incorporate simulation of coverage through different phases of a route. Always the 40s are fun to see from these guys too. I'm hearing we had a couple already coming in around 4-3. There's some speedsters out there. RC, which of these cornerbacks stands out to you in this class? You know, obviously you're going to start with Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois and everybody's talked about him, but for me it's Joey Porter Jr. Now, mm. It makes me feel old because I'm talking about a kid I used to watch run around the locker room in Pittsburgh when mm -hmm. I played with his father. But he's actually exceeded who his father was as an athlete. When you watch Joey, he's one of those guys on the outside that is long. He can use press. He understands leverage. Here you're going to see he gets hands on right away. He finishes on the ball well. But when you take a closer look at this, he understands the outside leverage based on split. He's now squeezing that hip. He goes front side with his left arm around the, the offensive player to get his hands on the ball. 
I just want to talk about this. There's seven seconds left in the game. He understands you have to guard the sideline. They're just trying to get extra yards. Watch his break on this ball as soon as he sees the wide receiver break to the sidelines to go out. He finishes physically. This is understanding. This is technique. Now, he's playing the guy that's off the ball. He doesn't get deep in his drop or in his back pedal because he understands he wants to transition when he gets to the goal line. He has excellent feel. He understands off coverage and press. He also finishes on the football with his length. He's a little grabby, but when I look at a guy like Sauce Gardner, mm -hmm. I felt like that could hinder Sauce as well in his rookie year, and he found a way to play around it. Yeah, it's always nice to be able to have to try and slow a guy down than yeah. have to speed him up, right? So, yeah. you know, the, the, I was talking to Jerry Gray here before we came on, who's a defensive back coach in, in Atlanta, and look, he says, look, you have to coach guys a little bit differently. When you talk about a guy like Devin Witherspoon, who yeah. is absolutely, look, he's a killer out there. All right, this yeah. guy does not mess around. And he is constantly contacting people 10-plus yards down the field, which they're going to have to coach him out of. And quite honestly, he ain't going to be able to tackle like he tackled in college in the NFL. <laughs> not well, at 180. Won't, or you won't get paid. Well, no, money. no, what I'm saying is you're gonna, you are going to be broke because they're going to take all of your money. But I'll tell you this, though. As far as the football intelligence like you were talking about with Joey Porter Jr., look, yeah. these guys are smart. Some of these young DBs are smart. Him and Christian Gonzalez, yes. when you watch them play, when you watch them as far as what the splits look like, where they're at on the football field, whether or not they need to sit and squat, whether or not they need to play underneath, where their leverage is, where their help is coming from. Yeah. I know people think that quarterbacks are just the smartest people in the world all the time. Defensive yeah. backs are kind of smart, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And they have to be to deal with some of these quarterbacks that they're playing exactly. against. And these kids are impressive, man, and they're impressive athletes. Smart and also fearless in yeah. a lot of ways. That's the, the, yeah. one of the main qualities of DBs. Who are you watching out here, Matt, right now, who's working out in this DB group? I'm cheating and looking at my phone because Deontay <laughs> Banks from Maryland is putting on a show. Bro, which we knew he would do, but he's putting on a show, a 42-inch vertical jump, an 11-foot, 8-inch broad jump. That's really far, in, in case you're not familiar with the number. <laughs> and an unofficial 4-3-6 run in the 40-yard dash, wow. which I talked to a scout that had him at 4-3-0, down there hand-timing it. Deontay Banks is a first-round prospect that has not gotten a lot of love because he's coming out of a Maryland program, hasn't had a ton of success, but he's six foot two, he's 205 pounds, and with those athletic Bruh. measurables, this is the type of player you draft late, and we'll, like you said, Lewis, we'll coach him up a little bit, Yep. But there aren't very many human beings that can run and jump like that. That's yeah. the thing. There's so many of these 6'2 plus guys. Remember yeah. Tariq Woolen last year from yes. UTSA? I mean, everybody this year was looking at him going, I need one of those. Yeah. Right. There's a couple of them out here right now that were playing in P5 schools this year. Man, well, remember we saw him at the Seahawks uh, uh, training, training camp. camp before everything started? We're like, who is this yeah, avatar yeah. guy? Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, right. All right, a reminder, too, if you want to see these workouts, they're going on over on NFL Network right now. we got a lot more coming your way here from the Combine, and we're going to talk about the best wide receivers in this class. We haven't really talked about them yet, how they can make an impact at the next level. Our analysts think one prospect in particular rises above the rest. Hear who that is. Who's the best in this class? Plus, the hype around Will Levis is real, but some scouts still have questions. Matt Miller will discuss what Levis needs to show teams in his workout tomorrow in order to quiet his doubters. That's all coming your way. As we're with you here, Will Levis, he had some comments at the podium earlier today about his confidence. Hear what he says about his arm. That's coming your way, too, as we continue on from Indy. We'll be right back.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 30 years have passed since Jim Valvano's legendary speech that launched the V Foundation. It's been 30 years of battles. 30 years of perseverance. 30 years of progress. 30 years of strength. Thirty years of never giving up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. And with tomorrow marking that 30th anniversary, we're taking this moment to celebrate Jimmy V's incredible legacy of never giving up and the impact of the V Foundation over the last 30 years. You can join our celebration and support Jimmy V's dream of victory over cancer at V.org slash donate. 100% of your donation goes to cancer research. Glad you're here with us at the NFL Combine. And today, Anthony Richardson met with the media. The Florida quarterback continues to impress while meeting with teams here in Indy. He'll throw tomorrow alongside Will Levis and C.J. Stroud in a highly anticipated quarterback show. Richardson asked about the idea that he's a project at the next level today. Here's what he said and more with the media. Growing up, it was always Cam Newton for me. Um, but then when I got to high school, just seeing how dynamic Lamar was, uh, I tried to implement both of those guys uh, in my life. And uh, I started calling myself Cam Jackson in 11th grade, you know, just trying to make big plays. I'm able to do everything on the field, you know, run over people, jump over people, run past people, throw the ball pretty well. So just tying it all together, I feel like that just helps me become a better quarterback. By the way, he handled that question about being a project with a lot of class, too. Richardson has drawn some comparisons to Josh Allen as both were strong-armed and athletic quarterbacks coming out of college with a lot more upside than production. The numbers back that up. Allen and Richardson posted nearly identical numbers in their college careers with both having some accuracy issues. They also had the exact same number of rushing touchdowns, and Richardson did that despite starting significantly fewer games than Josh Allen. Those numbers are interesting. Mina, what are you watching yeah. When Richardson so throws close. tomorrow, I know, right? Yeah, um, I don't have any questions about Anthony Richardson's arm. For me, it's his feet. When you watch him, he makes some astounding throws, despite the fact that his footwork is very inconsistent. He's toesy, the base is all over the place. I know for a fact, I can tell you, this is something he's probably been working on constantly uh, since he declared for the draft. So I'm curious to see how it looks on the field, not just at the combine, but in the pro day and from every day now, between now and the draft. I agree. I want to see him tomorrow with a little bit more of a layered throw and touch throw because he's such a twitched up, explosive, powerful athlete that sometimes you you feel as a young player, every ball needs to be ripped on. I want to touch on the graphic real quickly, though, because I have in my note, like, you want to see some of the Josh Allen development when it came to the touch. You know, Josh really kind of grew that part of his game once he got into the NFL. When Josh was coming out, the conversation was accuracy issues, and it was 56%. If Josh had one more completion per game, that would have jumped to like 61%. 
Mm. It's the same with Anthony Richardson. If he has one more completion per game, we're talking a throwaway. We're talking a drop. So many drops, by the way. Correct. Which is why that number is so misleading. Abs. That, thank you. The, yeah. the completion percentage is a lie when it comes to Anthony Richardson. Yeah. I do want to see tomorrow the zip on the football and the balls that are appropriate, and then I promise you he will come close to throwing a ball 80 yards. <laughs> the last ball that quarterbacks throw tomorrow yeah. is a go route. If I were his people, Ooh. I'd say double hitch it. Just hold it. Because <laughs> you want everybody in the stadium to go, to go whoa. whoa. Right. I want to see how far you can throw it. I think he's, that'd be cool. He's capable of that for sure. You know, it, it's interesting. You guys point out how it could be misleading when you see all the drops that happened at Florida. It was a new system, too. I, I do think, we're not making excuses, but I do think those are pieces of the his story are scenes and it's a piece too of where it makes sense for him to go at the next level when you think about fit for him where's a team or some teams are still looking out for so what's crazy we've all talked about the fact that we believe he needs to sit and he needs an opportunity to learn and to 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 develop this place won't be able to allow him to sit but i think it's the indianapolis Colts, and i do believe that the indianapolis Colts have a lot of things to fix but when you look at shane Steichen and kind of the trajectory of his career the type of quarterbacks he's worked with he's like the big physical guy that can do multiple things not only use his arm but use his legs you can implement him in the run game so now you can add that blocker who better in this draft than Anthony Richardson to kind of fit that role and Mm. fit that mode Mm. the other thing is this I was thinking about this as we began to talk and I got asked a question over the break can anyone unseat Bryce Young to me Mm. as the number one overall draft pick Mm. I would pick Bryce Young number one. If any other quarterback is picked ahead of Bryce Young, it's going to be Anthony Richardson. Wow. Why? I think people are this going the to upside fall talent. in love yeah. with the upside. And what's going to happen with Bryce Young's size is people aren't going to talk themselves out of Bryce Young. Yeah. They're going to work to talk themselves into yeah. somebody else, and he's the one guy that you can talk yourself yeah. into. I don't all that like disagree with that. I think it's also important for us to make sure that we get the project label taken off of Anthony Richardson. He is not a project. He's an investment. He's an opportunity because I, I think project is like you got to break so much stuff. No, you touched on it perfectly. Once the mechanics – and I think if he goes to a place that has a really good quarterback coach, he's going to develop well. Daniel Jeremiah said it best. He needs to be on the Patrick Mahomes plan, go to a place, have a veteran mentor and good quarterback coach, and the talent is unmatchable. Yeah, just another point about his game, excluding sacks, which he didn't get that many. He didn't get sacked that many times, as Mina pointed out yesterday. Richardson averaged 8.2 yards per rush last season. That's the best among FBS quarterbacks. Cam Jackson. A lot of that. All right. 11th grade. <laughs> I love it. Let's dive into some of the wide receivers in this year's class, guys. Matt Miller has Ohio State's Jackson Smith and Jigba as the top wideout. Smith and Jigba was limited to just three games last season due to a hamstring injury. But in 2021, he set a Big Ten single season record with over 1,600 receiving yards. Next up, Jordan Addison who won the Bolitnikoff Award in 2021 as the nation's top wide receiver before transferring from Pitt to USC last season. And then there's last season's Bolitnikoff Award winner. That would be Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. Hyatt led all Power 5 players with 15 receiving touchdowns last season, which was also a Tennessee single season record. We remember what he did against Alabama. And TCU's Quentin Johnston rounds out the top four. Johnston averaged nearly 19 yards per reception over the last three seasons the second highest in the FBS Matt Miller here back with us <laughs> Matt what are your impressions of this year's wide receiver class uh, yeah it's not the greatest class we've ever seen Come we've on, been Matt. spoiled
spoiled. I'm sorry, Dan. Evan's it's not spoiled. the greatest class. I love when you guys said, we'll give this quarterback he didn't say wide receiver. It was the worst. I don't know where you're going to find him. Uh, this year, it, it is difficult. It is not. There's no Jamar Chase. There's no Drake London. There's no Garrett Wilson. There's no Chris Olave. But there are good wide receivers. And I would start my list with the guy who was behind Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I think teams feel mm, the same way. Yeah. The question is, he had five catches this past year, 43 yards. He only played in three games with a hamstring injury. But that Utah Rose Bowl game is one of the greatest games I've ever seen a wide really receiver impressive. play. He was absolutely unstoppable. I think the big question is, he's not out here running a 40 this week, so there's going to be a lot of questions about the hamstring. Where's it at after you've missed this much time? I mean, he got hurt in September, guys. Yeah, right. It's, been a it's I think, March. We've been here a while. I think it's March. <laughs> it That's is. a long time to have a hamstring injury. So uh, that is, I think teams are going to be really prodding and trying to figure out what's happening there. The way I would describe Jackson Smith in Jigba is he doesn't have the highest ceiling, but he has the highest floor yeah, of absolutely. all these wide receivers. Yeah. You know, you're not going to see the circus catches. He's not going to put on a show out here. But game after game, down after down, he just gets open and catches the football. I mean, you see NFL caliber route running, uh, a very high understanding of how to attack defenses and coverages, and then incredibly reliable hands. Over the Is last Tyler, two years. Ha- Tyler Lockett-like? Bigger. Um, bigger, bigger, yeah, bigger, he's yeah. stronger. Yeah, bigger so our last couple, two years, he's caught 92% of his catchable targets. That's the best out of all college receivers. He will produce at the next level. I have no questions about that. For me, the only question is, okay, he's going to produce, but how high is his ceiling? Well, I mean, we talked to Garrett Wilson on the pivot in the offseason, and he said of all the wide receivers in that room, and you have to think it's Garrett Wilson, it's Chris Olave, it's Marvin Harrison uh, Jr., who should not play this year. He should hurt his hamstring early in the season. It's so hard to watch tape and not get distracted by him. And have to recover from that the entire year the same way. Jackson so good. Did. Yeah. The He's way so good. when when you watch Jackson Jackson Smith and Jigba play in the the Rose Bowl, you say to yourself, "This dude's a star." And he probably helped himself by not playing this year because when you cut the tape on of the other guys yeah. who you felt like could ascend and be that top 10 wide receiver, they didn't have those explosive years. And so much like Jamar Chase, you're stuck thinking to yourself, what was the last time I really saw this dude play? Right. And the last time we saw him play, he was the absolute best player on the field, on the field with other first rounders. Can I ask you a question, Matt? So I don't want to yeah. put you on the spot, but. Did he not play this year post-hamstring because the injury was that bad? Because I think to myself, a guy who's going to have to run to make his living, if the hamstring injury in college was that bad, right. that would give me reservations. Or was this, I, I got injured, and is it a, um, a Nick Bosa, Stingley, Micah Parsons is- yeah. issue where yeah, he, the future is the most important He had thing. his own COVID year. What you mean? Yeah, exactly. But, like, is that the real? Like, <laughs> That's what we're all trying to find out, Dan. Honestly, that is the number one question that every general manager is going to ask him. Because before the season, he's a first-rounder, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Wide receiver one right when the season started. I will jump in because I was with Ohio State at the college football playoff. They had kind of hoped maybe he would come back at that point. Everything we were told, and there were a lot of very credible people. Some of this, you know, wasn't really public at the time. He was injured. And he has since improved a lot, but I think that injury was quite serious. He wanted to be out there with the team. He didn't want to let him down at that point. Yeah. He wanted to play. That's scary. He was given a lot of advice. That's scary. I agree. Like, and, I, would, and, and listen, I would rather him have him miss some time I know. because he right. was like, you know what, the next step is more Especially important hamstring. right now. And yeah. remember. That and get hurt late in the year. Right. right. To your point, he's not running the 40 here. I, I do think it's something that pro will continue to follow. Exactly. That Ohio State Pro Day coming up. Yeah. All right. We got a lot more coming your way here on NFL. 
NFL Live, and we continue with conversation around Ohio State as we talk about C.J. Stroud, high expectations, heading into his workout tomorrow. Find out why R.C. thinks it'll be a perfect chance to show off Stroud's superpower. Plus, B. John Robinson is proving he's an explosive running back oozing with potential. Mina tells us what exactly makes Bijan worthy of a top 10 pick in this year's draft. She's got the tape to prove it, and we'll be right back from Indy. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hey, if you're looking to see anybody in the NFL right now, they're probably here in Indy for the NFL Scouting Combine held inside Lucas Oil Stadium. You see the big prospects arriving. Bijan Robinson, the running back out of Texas. Stay tuned for the latest on him as we tell you why he could be worth a top pick. And Will Levis, he's going to throw tomorrow. He said earlier he's got a cannon. That's why he's going to throw. So. Listen, must be nice to feel that good about yourself. He should, though. C.J. Stroud, all the confidence in the world, as well as the Ohio State quarterback here to prove some of the people that have doubted him wrong. He will also throw tomorrow. NFL Live on the road here in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. And a reminder of the schedule here today. On-field workouts going on right now with the defensive backs. Live coverage now on NFL Network and NFL Plus through this evening as the DBs continue to work out. I'm hearing some people talking about some four twos being run down there. We'll update you on that. Can't wait to see C.J. Stroud throwing tomorrow. The Ohio State quarterback told me earlier today he dealt with some injuries throughout the season that limited his mobility. Finally got healthy in time for the college football playoff against Georgia and we saw that in his performance. That's what he says he's capable of on a regular basis. Here's more from my chat with Stroud. Why was it important to you to throw on Saturday here at the Combine? Uh, just to show my competitive nature, you know, show uh, teams that I'm not scared to compete. And uh, I'm not competing against anybody but myself. And uh, I want to go out there. And I've been dreaming about this uh, for, for a long time. And as a kid, watching the combine, watching people like Deshaun Watson uh, and, and guys like that go to the combine and throw. And uh, when you when you look at dudes on TV, you're like, okay, I want a kid to think like, like that about me one day and inspire that kid to go up there and try to throw those same routes like I used to do as a kid. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of my mindset with that. Why should you be the number one quarterback taken? Uh, first and foremost, I just think, uh, of course, um, just the man of God I am, and, and I know that has nothing to do with football, but I think that you want somebody who has confidence and, and have faith and, and, and is hopeful to, to be great in the sport. But same time, I think you can turn on the film and, and watch how I think I've been the best player in college football two years in a row. Uh, I, think the, I think I've been the most consistent. And... Um, when it comes to off the field stuff, uh, just being a leader. You can ask anybody in my locker room, uh, if, could, would CJ put his head on the chopping block for y'all? And I, I'm pretty sure they'll say yes. So, um, and that's just not something I went in there demanding. I earn respect and, and, I, and I build trust. And I think those are the, that's the thing about leadership is about trust. So taking dudes to the house, cooking for them, um, 
letting them know that uh, I bought all my linemen suits, like not the express suits. I got them all custom because they're a little too big for the express, and like just little stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, when when it's when the time is clicking and I need them to hold on for another second to get me to get the ball out, I know that they were going to do that. So um, yeah, that's kind of like my mindset when it comes to that. So that's why I feel like a team should draft me. And that's a real peek into who C.J. Stroud is. It's cool, isn't it? it? You love to see it. Uh, Dan's probably the only one up here that would wear an express suit. Nothing against it, but, you know, he's talking about the big and men. a suit if, off of the lost and found. Well, we know that for ESPN sure. Yeah. If it's for free, I'm 100% wearing it. Still no one has claimed that lost and found suit. Oh, boy. Lewis, what do you expect to see from Stroud when, he's throws, when he throws tomorrow? But I, I think I've always felt this way when I was in scouting that the best pure throwers shine here. Mm, they eventually yeah. start to come. They eventually yep. start to separate as they get more routes with these guys who they've never thrown to. And quite honestly, they're, they're running routes out here that aren't the same way that you teach them once you get into training camp. So these quarterbacks, and look, I've always felt this too, that guys like C.J. Stroud, you're not going to hurt yourself by coming out here and throwing because the excuses are already, are already built in. You don't know these guys. Yep. They're running routes around oh, cones. So if you miss a few, right. no one cares. <laughs> but if you come out here, and people are gravitating towards you. I'm going check. If you're starting to all of a sudden dial in and you're just putting beautiful sweet passes on the money over and over again, I'm going check. This guy quickly can get up to speed. Yeah. So why wouldn't you throw here? I expect to see this guy look very graceful yeah. yep. and get up to speed very quickly and everybody going around this guy going, hey, man, this guy's even cooler than we thought. Yep. And that's a big part of evaluating quarterbacks. RC. Yeah, when I look at C.J. Stroud, for him, it's about coming out here and showing that quarterbacking and what he does from the pocket is his superpower. Yeah. So much mm -hmm. we've asked C.J. Stroud to do certain things we don't normally ask of pocket passers. Everybody's like, I want to see you run, but why? Right? When, when we have the guys who can come out here and put the football wherever they want to, we aren't asking to see that extra bit of mobility. We're asking you to be able to manipulate the pocket so you can now do what we pay you to do, which is get the ball to the playmakers on the outside. And so when we watch him throw this weekend, I want to see C.J. Stroud make every single throw. And I think Lewis used the best word, with grace. Yeah. When you watch the touch that he's put on the yeah, football like with different routes, that's something that we can see tomorrow that not mm. all quarterbacks at this level can do. Dan's writing down grace right now. So yeah. while you're doing that, earlier you said Bryce Young was scheme agnostic. What's yeah. a scheme that makes sense for C.J. Stroud to fit in? Uh, I'm going to give level? you five teams. Okay. Carolina, the Raiders, Seattle, Detroit, Washington. Ooh. And the, one of the main parts is if you have an offensive line that you think is a pretty good unit, this guy from a clean pocket, and you talk about the touch throws and the grace throws, and I love how quick his feet are in the pocket. Watch how quick these three inches are. One, two, three, balls out. All right, and the back angle kind of tells the story of how he bounces his feet, but it's a quicker bounce more than a extended bounce, and then the perfection. Now, the pocket is clean there. Mm -hmm. That is a part of this yeah. conversation. But one of the things you have to ask yourself when it comes to these quarterbacks, like what are you when you are afforded some protection? That's part of the job of an offensive coordinator and general manager is like, we got to keep this guy clean. And I think that, like, when it comes to watching him, if you're a football team, you sit there and go, you know what, we can keep a quarterback clean. This kid, I honestly believe, can step and play day one and, yeah. and, and throw yes. every right throw needed in the right moment. He's that talented of a player. He's no, he, Jared Goff plus plus. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Jared Goff's a very easy, natural thrower, thrower, but he's better at that and an upgrade athletically. So I'll, I'll raise you one. Dak Prescott is who I see him as. Huh? Player who has a good, not great arm, but he has really good accuracy. We talked about the leadership, the football IQ, it's all there. And he has mobility. Maybe it's not great. I mean, no, he's not Anthony Richardson, but we saw 
saw against Georgia Plenty. that he can run. He can move. And RC, you said it right. People keep moving the goalpost on him. It's like, oh, you're a great passer, but can you throw to receivers who aren't yours? Or, <laughs> oh, well, you can move around a little, but you can't run. So then he goes and does it. So I don't know why we're overthinking it. He's my number five player in the entire draft. He's my QB2 right up there with Bryce Young. So for all the great things we've talked about, Anthony Richardson, we've talked about Bryce Young, CJ Stroud is a really, really good player who will be, I think, a day one starter. You know what I can't get away from is like when you're talking about moving goalposts, right? The guy who we consider to be the greatest quarterback, greatest competitor of all time, wouldn't be able to he wouldn't be able to juke me right now in this suit. <laughs> but we consider him the greatest of all time because yeah. of how right. graceful he was in the yep. pocket yeah. and I, 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 Kurt Warner's, I like that Kurt Warner's words continue to ring in my head what about the guys who are graceful in the pocket and play on time and in rhythm when everything is chaotic around them and they don't need to escape the pocket. Do they get any credit too? Because yeah. now it's just like, right. well, you can't move around. You can't right, run right. around. It's like, well, every play doesn't need to look like backyard football. Right. Sometimes it actually works in structure. Yeah. And yeah. this kid right here, when it's in structure, I mean, come on, you I won't mean, see a prettier thrower out here tomorrow. Everyone gets him. so enamored, you're right, with these athletic tools. And I get it because they deserve their flowers. Sure. But, you know, C.J. Stroud mentioned to me how consistent he was the last couple seasons. He led the FBS in both QBR and passing touchdowns over the last two seasons. The entire college football yeah. world, he led it. All right, um, so going on in the field right now, we got the DBs working out. Matt, people are running pretty fast out there. What, oh what do we got for D.J. Goodness. Turner? 427 unofficial for D.J. Turner, what? who a corner from Michigan who has some of the best, I mean, just all-around movement ability. We're going to see it in the vert, the broad jump, the, the three cones could be crazy. 427 unofficial. Yesterday, when the official times came out, they were carving those down. So we could see, like, 424, 423. That's crazy. What's it like to read your own tweet on television? I know. It, well, you, you left know, out the part where I've you said, it. Buddy can scoot, which I thought scoot. was the you best part. Somebody scoot. who they read his tweets. <laughs> 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 you about? know what? From now on, when Dan has a weird <laughs> it's tweet. It's segment. Yeah, we're going to um, – okay. Anyway – Let's continue on with NFL Live here. That's it. We don't do that on this show. I mean, maybe we should, okay? Coming up, the crew takes a closer look at the size concerns surrounding Bryce Young. And if his frame is cut out for the NFL, you don't want to miss that. The cutout is a play on words. There's cardboard, okay? <laughs> you like that? Also, Washington head coach Ron Rivera joins us live on set to answer our questions on his commander's team. Dan just mentioned C.J. Stroud as a scheme fit for them. Could they possibly be in the market to go up and get a quarterback? We're going to ask Coach Rivera as he's standing by to join NFL Live, live from Indy in moments. We'll see him up here. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We're back on NFL 
live from the Combine. And over the last 30 years, there have been three instances of a team trading from outside of the top 10 and into the top five to select a quarterback. This has become more common in recent years as it happened twice in 2016, most recently in 2021 when the 49ers moved from 12th to 3rd in the draft order to select Trey Lance. So let's do some quick reads here, have a little fun. Mina, which team could maybe surprise some people for outside the top 10 trading up for a quarterback this year? Okay, so mine's a little provocative. Oh, sauce. I would suggest the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> um, here's why. Contractually, they can move on from Kirk Cousins after this year. He signed that big contract. And I, I thought he played really well, but if this team feels like he has taken us as far as we're going to go, we need to win a Super Bowl. They might consider trading up for like an Anthony Richardson. Don't have a lot of draft capital because of the TJ Hawkinson acquisition, so it would take future picks. I'm just saying, ooh, it could happen. I love it. Well, for me, I want to talk about Taylor Heineke and what he was for the Washington Commanders last year. You saw the energy he was able to bring after Carson Wentz was injured early on in the season. But as the season continued to go on, you can see that they needed that extra step up in pedigree at the position, especially with what they had offensively built around him. And it started with the running game. If the Washington Commanders are able to get good play at the quarterback position, I believe that they are put together in a way that they can excel next season. RC obviously stealing my notes and mad about the last segment, and this is incredibly awkward and understanding who's to my left. I go to Terry McLaurin at the Pro Bowl, having a great conversation. I think we all agree, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So congratulations on making the Pro Bowl, and he said, I did it, and I played with 11 quarterbacks. I agree, the Washington Commanders, I think it's a healthy roster, and with the state of the NFC and it being relatively wide open outside of Philadelphia, I would love to see them get aggressive and make a move for a dynamic play caller. And with that. And producing a show, who thought that those two things were the things okay, that do quick reads? I take the blame. I take the blame. We're not going to blame our producer, Susan, right now. We welcome Ron Rivera to the set. What is that? I was a setup. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but, but we do want to start there because, Coach, you've said that Sam Howell has the opportunity right. to compete for the starting job, and, and you've been uh, very upfront about that. But where is the interest level in potentially trading up to get one of these guys that we're going to see out here tomorrow throwing. Well, for the most part, you know, we have some interest. But the, the biggest thing, more than anything else, we have a lot of interest in Sam Howell. A big reason why is if you go back to the 2021 draft and you look at what his grades were and what people had given him in terms of, you know, this kid could be a potentially a first, maybe an early second round pick. What changed? Well, what changed was he went from having a veteran team where three offensive linemen, yeah. a tight end, yeah. two running backs, and a wide receiver were all drafted into the NFL. Then fast forward to his to his senior year, he didn't have those tools around him. Well, he had an opportunity to play against Dallas and, and really showed us his wares, what, what he's capable of. And we felt very comfortable and confident to, to, for me to at least go out and say, we're, he's going to start off as QB1. I'm not anointing him as our starter day one but when I, uh, in the regular season, but I am giving him the opportunity to show us he, he can do it. Now, it's not going to preclude us from you know, doing our homework on, on these young men coming out in the draft. It's not going to preclude us from doing our homework on, on free agency. So we'll see what happens in the next couple months. Coach, you have a roster that seems ready to compete in so many other places on this team. Obviously, the quarterback being a position you haven't had stability. What is it going to take for one of these guys that you said you still will evaluate to kind of jump off of the board to you and maybe make you think about moving up or taking a quarterback this year? Well, the biggest thing is, you know, there's some of these guys have some really good tape. Some guys have really caught our eye. But the big thing is as they go through this process do they stand out do they separate themselves and do they show themselves worthy of us trading some of the capital that we have to come up and get them we've got to feel that comfortable if we're going to do
do something like that. And as I said, you know, again, evaluating what we have with Sam, we do feel pretty good about it. Coach, I'll ask you this. The, the contrast or the balance of we really like one of these rookie quarterbacks, we want to go get them, but then that gives you with two really young players at the position mm. in the quarterback yes. room in comparison to let's ride with Sam and maybe at a veteran that has NFL experience. Where is that conversation with you guys, and do you lean one way or the other in the situation of it? Well, I think the, the, the truth of the matter is, again, as, as you know, we brought in Eric Bieniemy last week, right. got an opportunity mm -hmm. to sit down, and when we get back, that'll be a big uh, topic for us come Tuesday. You know, everybody's traveling on Monday for the most part, but Tuesday we'll get down in the weeds and talk about free agency, talk about the potential for a guy in the draft, and really see where Eric is as well because he's a big part of this uh, equation for us. Would you be comfortable, real quick, would you be comfortable with two young players, though? Like we, uh, I would be comfortable as long as we had a veteran guy around him. You know, last year we carried three quarterbacks. Yeah. We could do it again. So you would want a vet in the room? Most certainly. I got you. Yes. Uh, we just showed a clip earlier of Anthony Richardson, one of the young quarterbacks. Comparing, he called himself Cam Johnson. I don't know if you saw that. Or, <laughs> Cam, uh, Cam Jackson. Cam Jackson, pardon yeah. me. Um, so obviously you spent years mm -hmm. with Cam Newton. And at that time, Cam Newton was an aberration. Yes. He was something we had never seen before. Now we're seeing these guys. I'm not saying they're like Cam, but those qualities, the power, the speed. Sam Howell, of course, is a dual threat quarterback. You're seeing that more and more present in the league. How have your views changed on how much that matters mm. to the position? How much does it matter to you now? Well, it does matter an awful lot, but the thing you always got to be careful for is, is what happens if, if the injuries start to catch up yeah. to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, we saw a little bit of what happened with Jalen Hurst when he went down, and, and that was a big blow to, to what Philadelphia did. But once they got him back, they got right back on track. So, you know, to me, if you're going to go that way and that's what you're going to commit to, you got to make sure you have two of them that are available mm -hmm. to you. Uh, Coach, I want to follow up on Eric Bieniemy and bringing him in. What have your conversations been like with him? I understand you'll have more time with him mm -hmm. coming up, but how has he already made some progress with the team it's exciting because you know when we introduced them we had about 12 players show up and 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 I believe nine of those 12 were offensive guys they spent about a half hour with them just getting to know with them and know them and, and just watch their energy levels go up as they were around them. their excitement level was really terrific so uh, I thought that was great but then he and I sit down talking about his vision and what he sees offensively it's pretty exciting because as I watched the playoffs and I saw what they were doing offensively I kept thinking with the guys we have around yeah. Yeah, we talent, have a chance yes exactly Crystal ball, eight, nine months in the future right now. What about Sam Howell does America not know? Um, that he's got a real, really good arm. I mean, he, he, is, he, he's, he, he has quick twitch. He makes quick decisions, and he gets the ball out quickly. Hey, Coach, thanks for letting us ambush you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best. We appreciate, appreciate it. We so to say good things about Washington. I know. I mean, we were going to lead in with just all the things we love about Ron Rivera, but we tabled that. We, we thank you so much for being <laughs> with us Coach. here on NFL Live and enjoy the rest of the combine. Can't wait to see what the commanders do. we got a lot more coming your way here on the show as we carry on. And could you find a diamond in the rough in this class? Some late-round quarterbacks that we're not talking enough about. We're going to give them some love here. Stay tuned to hear these names your team just might end up with one of them we'll be right back more nfl live on the way robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need robert half our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary ai to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Oh, there's a lot of knocks about just my size. Not being tall enough, not weighing enough. Never looked at it as something I couldn't overcome. Kind of go to work. It would be Bryce Young for me and no one else. He's different than all these other guys. He's a smaller version of Patrick Mahomes. Does Bryce Young have the frame and the toughness? Small, but I think he's special. Bryce Young did not have a number one receiver. Bryce no. Young is Steph Curry on a football field. Kind of go to work. In the common draft era, there have been two quarterbacks drafted in the first round that were shorter than six feet tall, Kyler Murray and Johnny Manziel. Both Murray and Manziel weighed 207 pounds, which is the lightest weight for any quarterback drafted in the first round since 2006. Bryce Young was listed at six feet, 194 pounds at Alabama. We'll see what his measurements are tomorrow here in Indy. But Dan Mina and RC got ahead of things by sizing him up in a different way. All right, Ruddy, thanks for that. I'll take over from here. So we wanted to put a little context to Bryce Young and his size in comparison to maybe other peers. So RC, me and myself, so we got the cardboards, the, the, the cardboard cutout. So this is Bryce who's listed at about 5'10", 194 pounds. And so going to the best defensive tackle, at least in football this year, Chris Jones, and just kind of comparing how big Chris is to Bryce. Chris is 6'6", six 310 pounds. Like, so my takeaway right now is uh, I'm 6'5", a little bit. I'm eye-to-eye -eye with Chris Jones. You right. safety in the NFL. Yep. You're eye-to-eye -eye with Bryce Young, the starting quarterback. That's a little bit different than yeah, what we see I, in the it, NFL. It's a little bit different, but we also have to realize that this has been Bryce Young's entire life. And sure. it's going to be about not necessarily throwing over right. Chris Jones. Right. It's going to be about finding areas to get the football around him. Now, it's going to be when Chris Jones lands on Bryce right. Young or throws Bryce That's Young down, problem. how does he recover yeah, from I'm that? I'm looking at this, and I'm not too worried about the height. I'm more worried that we seem to have the same race <laughs> size, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. But, yeah, as far as the height goes, <laughs> the cardboard I mean, cutout moves. But it's great. I mean, when you look at him and just go side to side, let, let's move this around a little. And, like, it is kind of shocking because yeah. I think of it's hard to see. Justin Herbert see. and I think of yeah. Josh Allen. And, and – and okay, I well, bring in, bring in somebody like a Kyler yeah. Murray or right. something like that. Then. Kyler so Murray. we can compare. I got a Kyler. Stay Kyler. Here, Chris. All right, so let's get Kyler. <laughs> Kyler's probably right around the same size as Bryce Young now. Bryce is slighter. Kyler's yeah, probably 15, he's 20 pounds. Thicker. He's thicker. Desert. I mean, the lower. But like the height thing, and we could sit there and say Kyler has, but he hasn't necessarily been tasked to throw around guys so much because of the style of offense that Cliff Kingsbury's asked him to play. And he also got hurt this past year running around. You know, I think that's part of this as well. Yeah, but you also got to think about the way that Kyler was hurt is a lot different from what we'll see from Bryce Young. Bryce Young moves exactly. around in order to make plays right. down the field, whereas Kyler has to use that mobility in order to create offense with running the field. Right, yeah. So frame-wise, I think this one makes this a little is, bit yes. more this context. This is more when we're right? talking like, about injury concerns and durability right. as it pertains to being slight. Right. This was a concern that people had about Devontae and, and that's the thing draft. for me is like they are basically the same Build. height I mean Devontae's a little thinner but like when it comes to frame the slightness of frame and right. the height I mean those guys are more comparable than I think Bryce is to Kyler so, Murray. Mina for you though what's the difference in playing the wide yeah, receiver I mean, that's, position that's here thing, and playing right? quarterback? Yeah because there were concerns about durability and whether he could beat press but as a wide receiver he is not absorbing the sort of contact that Bryce Young is going to absorb in the pocket on literally potentially every down yeah. and Devontae Smith has proven to be I mean he has proven a lot of people wrong when it comes to his size because yeah. he is so slippery and he is so fast 
Bryce Young, though, very different set of challenges as it pertains to his weight. Yeah, I think that's the big question. It's not the concern or question about is he good enough or big enough to play. It's going to be is he good enough or is he big enough to absorb that one big shot or the shots that are going to accrue over the course of a season and then four or five years into a career. That's going to be the question that teams have to come and be at peace with. Roddy, back to you. A very fascinating visual there from everybody. We expect that Bryce Young will hear his name called toward the top of the draft. But what about some sleepers at the QB position? Okay, there are plenty of current quarterbacks that have found success after being drafted outside the first round. Brock Purdy started the NFC Championship game after being the last player drafted a year ago. Jalen Hurts, who was drafted in the second round back in 2020, was the MVP runner-up last season and put on a show in the Super Bowl. So time for some quick reads. Lewis Riddick, give me a quarterback you like that'll be taken outside the first round. Yeah, I'm going to talk talk about Jake Hayner from Fresno, and I saw him down at the Senior Bowl, and I'm sitting there looking at Brock Purdy, and I'm going, Jake Hayner reminds me a little bit of Brock Purdy. When you saw him at the Senior Bowl, he was the clear-cut best quarterback down there as far as command of the huddle, command at the line of scrimmage, his decision-making, his accuracy, his movement outside the pocket, throwing on the move. This guy lit it up, and I went down there expecting Jaron Hall to kind of really maybe separate himself a little bit, and it was Jake Hayner who wound up doing that. I think he He's one of those guys who's just a pure passer, and he will shine tomorrow. Yeah, Lou, that's a great one. I like Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. We've talked about experience. He's a sixth-year player or a former walk-on, so you know he's dealt with some adversity. You said Brock Purdy. That's actually who I saw with Aiden O'Connell. Or maybe like Bailey Zappi, who came out of Western Kentucky, was super productive. We saw him play a couple games this past year for New England Patriots. O'Connell is not going to wow you with foot speed. He's not going to wow you with arm strength. But I think the touch, timing, anticipation, the way he carves up the middle of the field, no, he's probably not going to be a starter, but he's somebody that could be a high-level backup in the NFL as a day-three pick. I'll, I'll go with Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. One, loved the journey. Had to start at Virginia Tech and then transfer to Tennessee. Had to call a couple of his college football games. The maturity is outstanding. He is, he is older. So was Joe Burrow. Talented thrower. Big athletic player that can throw to every aspect of the football field. Had a ton of success throwing the deep ball at Tennessee this year. And I think the journey is a good thing for him because the, the mental kind of toughness and the tough skin that it's built up for him. A sleeper team, potentially, if they don't get a deal done with Daniel Jones, the New York Giants. I'd also throw this out there, the Miami Dolphins mm. with Tua's health, and then the New Orleans Saints if they don't get a guy in free agency like Derek Carr. Yeah, it's really interesting. And by the way, everyone calls Hendon Hooker an old man. He's 25. He's, he's not that old. Right. Uh, <laughs> do you like the idea of Hendon to the Giants? It, maybe if they don't get the deal done with Daniel Jones, even though Adam Schefter did report earlier in the show that they're getting close to that? I do like the fit. I think Hendon would have been a first-round prospect had he not had the ACL injury. Even with the age being a factor as he turned 25 two months ago. So, yes, you have to factor it in. But the tape to me said, yes, this is someone that can be a starter in the NFL. You mentioned the New York Giants. Why not the Seattle Seahawks? Huh? That's it. We talked about last year. Maybe they should have drafted a quarterback. Obviously, it worked well with Geno. But I just think from a scheme fit, Hendon's ability to throw the deep ball, to see deep coverage. He's got wheels as well as a runner. Yeah. Like This is what you want in a quarterback. And, again, we mentioned the maturity, the experience, and only two interceptions last year. I know, Dan, we talked off camera, the scheme, some of that. Part of it, sure. But a, a lot of that's him being a really good thrower, too. Excel in the scheme, too. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when we're talking about good fits for quarterbacks, it, it's – well, it's good for Daniel Jones that he doesn't really need to find a home right now, and he's probably going to wind up signing in New York. But if this was a quarterback needy team, based off of what Mike Kafka and Brian Dayball did this year, mm. that team would jump immediately to the top of the list of going, yeah. you want to play here. Yep. These are the people who you want to work with. And Hendon Hooker, yeah, I mean, he'd be great for a place like that. And I, let me just go back to Jake Hayner and say this about him. 
He's one of those guys, like, if you saw him walking along this concourse, you would be like, no, you're not an NFL prospect. But if, we, if Brock Purdy hasn't taught us about just how important context is and overall structure surrounding the quarterback position itself, Brock Purdy made it, made it look like, man, do we really need Trey Lance? Do we really yeah, need right? the guy who we traded up and traded a mint away to get? Yeah. Do we really need him? Yeah. I'm just telling you, slow down on all the measurables and getting intoxicated with how a person looks and watch how he plays. Yeah, it's smart perspective. You brought up Tom Brady earlier, too. Right. Yeah. My goodness. If there's ever an example of that, it's probably Brady. Mm -hmm. Coming up on NFL Live, stay with us, because despite being projected as one of the top four quarterbacks in the draft, Will Levis has some doubters. We'll talk through that, and we'll find out why some don't see him in the same class as Young, Stroud, and Richardson. Others do. Levis conversation coming next. It's going to be good. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We're back live from Indy at the NFL Scouting Combine. You're in for a treat with Will Levis throwing tomorrow. The Kentucky quarterback can sling it. Still plenty of questions surround his tape from last season, but some scouts will salivate when they see his arm live. Here's what he said about why he's choosing to throw here. Because I got a cannon. I'm going to show it off. People make the Josh comparison, which, I mean, I can see it, but we're definitely two different types of guys. Joe's someone, especially in this offseason, that I've focused a lot on. I've really been trying to kind of perfect the movement leading up to the throw. Joe, I think, does better than anyone else in terms of movement in the pocket. Not the fastest guy, but he's just able to move so efficiently to put himself in a stable base to make efficient throws. And i uh, been watching a lot of film on him this past offseason. You hear the commitment, the intelligence there from Will Levis, Mark Stoops, his head coach at Kentucky, telling me this week the reason why he looks like that, the reason why he plays like that, and why he's so on top of it is because he cares so much about being the absolute best. Matt, what do you want to see from Levis when he throws tomorrow? You know, he's right. He has a cannon. He has arguably yeah. the strongest arm yeah. in this class. We're going to see that. What I want to see is, hey, can you throw a changeup as well? Like, not just fastballs, because I think when you watch him at Kentucky, he's throwing gas every throw, whether he needs to or not. So what I want to see out here and yes, it's unconventional with receivers he's not used to, but like, let's see you throw a changeup or two. You'll take something off the yeah. ball. I want to see touch. I want to see you put the ball out there where your receiver can make a play on it instead of having a football tattoo to his chest after the game. So that is a big part of <laughs> Levis's development is, hey, let's see you become that smarter quarterback in terms of how to use that arm strength. And, and maybe that's teachable, Dan. Maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. You would know as well as anyone. Oh, it is. But that's where he's got to be. Yeah, yeah Dan, if you are a, a team interviewing Levis, what are you asking him this week? I'm, I'm asking him one clip and one question. And I think it's a very clear what his answers are, what kind of person and player you're getting. So you watch his little bootleg and this miss, and to the naked eye you go, my goodness, that's an ugly miss. Now, to me, this is what I see, a high corner and then a deep cross. You go corner to the slot receiver on the deep cross. And I see a quarterback see two defenders running outside of that deep cross and him trying to throttle down or stop that receiver in that window. But that's not what I would say to Will Levis. I would play that clip and I would go, tell me what you saw. And that's it. And I want to hear from him what his thought process is, 
What's he been taught? What's he been coached? What is he yeah. seeing? And I also want to hear if he's going to tell me, I threw my coach under the bus. Or I threw my receiver on the bus. Yep. Because I want to get a – I'm not saying anything else. I'm not walking him well, through it. Well, well, honestly, honestly, what you, you, you want him see? to say there because even me looking at it, I'm looking at that receiver saying, okay, the receiver has to also understand if he's going to sit me down what the quarterback is seeing. Will Will Levis say to you in that meeting, I knew exactly what I was supposed to do, but my wide receiver didn't. And I don't know how I would take that answer, though, Arce, you know, because I want him to kind of explain to me why that throw looks that way. But I don't want him selling my, yeah. his receivers out. You know, yeah, but, I want but him that, that, that's part of it. Though. You kind of want a mix of both transparency and accountability at yeah, the same time. Like I, one thing that bothers me a little bit watching Levis is y yesterday I talked about Anthony Richardson and how rarely he gets sacked. Ten percent sack rate when pressured. Will Levis. 33%. Yep. Now, a lot of that is on the offensive line. Yeah. But some of it, watching him, not a great feel for pressure, issues sometimes with setting protections. So if I'm interviewing him, I want to hear both of those things. Frankly, I want to hear, yeah, there were moments where I was under a, a lot of pressure because of my situation, but there were also moments where I could have been better at this, yeah. and these are things that I want to improve upon. He has to thread that needle in these interviews, which, by the way, I agree with you, are way more important than throwing drills. Yeah, and I just think that one clip gives you the great a great insight of, like the player, what he's thinking, how well he thinks, how well he sees, and then the leadership, the accountability. And you're right. You want that fine line of, oh, well, I saw this and I expected this. I, I should have done a better job of communicating that to our receivers. We actually grew a lot after that yep. from this season. I com take complete ownership of that. That was a good example for us to learn from more so than, well, I thought it was going to do this or my coach actually didn't. You know, I think, yep. the, I think that one clip is such a great opportunity for you the, to get an understanding other, of who the, he is. The other huge thing here, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe you guys who understand this better than I do, really do put Will Levis in the same class as these other three guys? I don't, right? I, I watch a ton of SEC football, and I'm watching Will Levis. And, yes, in his second year, there were things that were falling apart all around him, but I didn't look at Will Levis and said, okay, he's elevated these guys. And don't get me wrong, a bad Alabama team is not a bad football team, sure. but it's a bad Alabama team. But the reason that that team was able to play and compete in games that they weren't better than the other team is because the quarterback yeah. was able to elevate their play. And if we're counting Will Levis in those four, he should have been able to do that at some point. And I didn't see that in his 2022 tape. So yeah. to me, it's those three guys, and Will Levis has to navigate his way through this process to make it four. Matt, final word. 2021 tape, that's there. Loses OC, he goes to the Rams. Everything fell apart there. So not to make excuses for Will Levis, I think the arms there, the maturities there, the football IQs there, a lot like with Anthony Richardson. He needs to go somewhere where they can coach him up. I was glad to hear him say he's been watching Joe Burrow because mm. the footwork is most of his problem in the processing. Yeah, love it. All right, time to read and react with some news in Indy. We're going to start here and everything around the league. Edge rusher Tyree Wilson still recovering from foot surgery he had in November, so he didn't work out yesterday, but says he's close to 100%. Lewis, what have you seen from Wilson on the field, though? Do you remember the name from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I'm not saying Tyree's going to be Simeon Rice, but this long, angular frame at 6'5", 271 pounds with a 35-inch reach, when you can get what you call this long-arm bull rush and then come with an arm over, and then as the guard slides out to kind of help the tackle, you split them both and finish with the sack. 
That's the kind of stuff Simeon Rice used to do. And then when you have the motor to match, when you can change direction and then continue to hustle and run and chase outside on the perimeter, these are the kind of things that get defensive line coaches excited. Those are the kind of things that get you drafted in the top 15. And then you see him here when he can stand up in a two-point. So, again, he's going to be attractive to both 4-3 teams and 3-4 teams, where, again, you use that inside hand and you leverage bull rush, collapse the pocket from the outside in, and then finish with the sacks. Look, this is the reason why I think, you know, when you're talking about Will Anderson, right, and, and the conversation keeps surrounding him in Chicago, and would Chicago be comfortable moving back? You have guys like Tyree Wilson that are sitting back there waiting to get picked, and they're going to be great players. Hey, you know what's crazy? Uh, Tyree Wilson's wingspan is unthinkably almost longer than Giannis's. <laughs> for That's crazy. That's pretty good. That's okay, crazy. to Jalen Hurts' contract, Dan Graziano caught up with Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni on his quarterback. He just keeps getting better, right? Because he loves, loves football. I don't think that can be understated. When you love what you're doing and you love football and you're as tough as he is and, you're as fo and your football IQ is as high as his is and you care as much as he does, you're going to reach your ceiling, right? I don't know what, if we know what his ceiling is, but I do know this. I knew it's going to continue to get better. You know, as far as, you know, obviously I never uh, comment on anybody's contract, uh, you know, but... You know, we're, we're uh, you know, obviously just happy that we have Jalen on this football team and that he's the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Adam, you can comment on the contract. Where do things stand with Hurts getting a new deal? Or it's not hard to figure out. Nick Sirianni compared Jalen Hurts to Michael Jordan in the <laughs> postseason. Last year, there were four quarterbacks who got at least $46 million a year. So there's your starting point right there. And you build off that for a player they view as Michael Jordan, who Nick Sirianni praised there, despite the fact that he doesn't want to get involved in contract negotiations. Both sides want to get this deal done. We'll see how long it'll take them to get that done this offseason. Yeah, I recently saw Jalen Hurts. He said the Super Bowl loss serves as more motivation than he's ever had in his life. So watch out, everybody. Coming up next on NFL Live, we talk B. John Robinson. Finally getting to the Texas running back. He's going to work out Sunday. Sure to draw eyes from multiple teams. Mina is going to tell you why she thinks he's the best running back prospect since Saquon Barkley. It's all next live from Indy as NFL Live carries on. Look at that 40-yard dash. We already saw people running in the four twos out here. These DBs are putting on a show, and we're getting into the running backs next on live. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. UFC 285 tomorrow night from T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. It's another stacked card with two title fights highlighted by the long-awaited return of John Jones. The main card begins at 10 Eastern on pay-per-view with the prelims at 8. On ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus. To order the main card in English and Spanish, go to ESPNPlus.com slash PPV. It's time to talk a little running backs here on NFL Live, and really one in particular, okay? Texas running back B. John Robinson, he's dynamic. He's going to tempt some teams to take a running back earlier than they might want to, but it really could be worth it. Listen to this from Alabama edge rusher Will Anderson when asked about the toughest matchup he faced on offense 
in college. B. John Robinson, from the running back from Texas, he was a big back. We had to game tackle him. We had to get all hats to the ball. He was going to break a few tackles. We had to tackle him the right way, but he was probably the most toughest person I played in college football. I mean, you usually expect these guys to pick, like, offensive <laughs> yeah, players. Right. Like, right. Oh, that was great. It was B. John Robinson. <laughs> uh, Mina, what have you seen from Robinson on the field? Yeah, we're going to spend the next few weeks debating who's the best at different positions. There is no debate at running right. back. It <laughs> yeah. is B. John Robinson. Yep. He is good at literally everything. But uh, I'm going to highlight a few of those things. Let's take a look back. First of all, this first tape from the Kansas game, the entire game is just insane. But uh, let's start with this run. It's a counter run. The blocker gets beat. Doesn't matter. Bijan finds space. Boom. Defender squares up. Okay, this is the first lateral cut. But I want you to watch his ability coming out of this and then coming out of the second cut. Uh, and then the acceleration to Woo! get around the edge. And, of course, tacklers just falling off of him, which is a trend <laughs> you will see with this cat. Speaking of missed tackles, okay, make the first defensive tackle miss. Easy. No problem. Bijan runs with extremely low pad level. You'll see here he gets under this tackler. Again, it's like nothing to him. Couple guys, try. Doesn't matter. Spins out of this one easily, <laughs> as he so often does. And then always, always gets yards afterwards because of his punishing style. Okay, you don't see him here. He's in the slot. He's running a post. This is a running back, y'all. Look at that extension. Look how high he gets. Look at his catch radius. And this is so important because when we talk about him and his value yeah. at the next level, he is going to be useful as a pass catcher, too. You can split him out right. He can run routes. You guys know me. I am not an advocate <laughs> of taking a running back yeah. in the first round of the NFL draft. But he is different. He is special. He is a game changer. And on the right team, I absolutely think it's worth it. Top 10? I would say in the 10 to 20 range yeah. is, okay. is where yeah. I would see the sweet spot. Yeah, and maybe you justify it, too, by saying to your point there, what we saw on the tape, he's a pass catcher. So yes. there's yep. so much he does there. RC, everyone talks about Bijan not only on the field, but who he is as a person. And we've heard a lot about this. I want you to add some context, though, because you train in a facility where he was training, spent some time around him. Well, first off, he's actually too perfect. You know, <laughs> he, he actually he came on our show, and I just set him next to Channing because I was like, Channing's going to get something out of him. Right. And there was nothing, a, a great leader he's a great teammate but just a great human even before they go to their workouts dudes leading bible study for the cats he's training for the combine with yep. just a different type of human and then when you look at his ability to play the game Bijan robinson averaged like 20 yards a carry in high school he has that that rare ability and i'm not going to talk about some of these guys that were drafted recently i'm going to go back to the ladanian tomlinson i'm going to go back to the fred taylors that type of ex explosiveness that that type of, of dynamic player and then he can get into the open field and make huge plays he is a difference maker and I think a lot of teams are going to have to come to grips with how high do I take him and do I take that chance on a person that plays a position that has now been devalued Matt how high I, I am biased. I would draft him very highly because he is the, the total weapon. Marshall Falk you know, is that type of player. We around. Right. We're so all of Fred Taylor, LaDainian right. Tomlinson. NFL teams will probably draft him in the teens. Talking to teams this week, they say everyone loves him, by the way, and they wish their team would draft him, but I think they know it's more realistic. 10 is probably the starting point, whether Philadelphia keeps that spot or not, but the teens is more likely. A contender is going to draft him and he's going to become an all pro and everybody's going to be like, wait, why did we not draft this guy? Ah. To me, he's a better
better running back prospect than Ezekiel Elliott was coming out of Ohio State. Wow, He's a better running back prospect than Saquon Barkley Woo! was coming Woo! out of Penn State. Saquon didn't catch oh. the ball in college <laughs> oh. like Bijan catches the ball, guys. Oh. I love this. We just let's, got Bijan drafted. This my favorite Street. segment of the week. Holy <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Dan, give us to, teams. I was going to try to nerd out. I, I do want to make a point, Mina, to your, um, to your tape. I think, like, my favorite aspect or trait of running backs is when they run with their eyes. Yeah. And, like, they see yeah. that second and third is, cut before it happens. Yes. So I do like that. Uh, Philadelphia is obvious one. Buffalo has invested basically everything in a tailback. So I think those are the two teams <laughs> that come out and come to mind. The, the, the Vikings, depending on what happens with Dalvin Cook. Cincinnati, depending on what happens with Joe Mixon and the ability to catch the football. Yeah. One team that I'm like, the Chargers. Mm. They don't have a lot oh, of flaws. Yeah. Now, Eckler's a superstar, and all Eckler does is score touchdowns. But I look at a team that – because you don't take it a quarterback or running back in the first round unless you have, like, a lot of different pieces on your football team, and he's, like, that finishing piece, yeah. almost like the Chiefs did with CH a couple years ago. But I, I look at the, the Chargers, and I go, they don't have a lot of flaws, probably a little receiver. But that, if you take that talent that's relatively inexpensive in comparison to Austin right now and put them on that football team – the production should be really good Damn. over the next three or four years. Why not the Dallas Cowboys then? Because okay. I would. Because then Why you're not saying the Dallas no Cowboys. Such a Jerry Jones pick. Right. But then you're saying <laughs> <just> <laughs> say the guy that goes to Texas. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. yeah. Star. I'm just saying. No Pollard then. He's them put together. Why? Why not? You're saving money. Hmm. I, I don't. Oh, I don't hate it. If he catches the football the the, the way yeah. he did on that clip, I don't hate it. You know, yeah. the interesting thing is the franchise tag deadline. You know, is coming up rapidly approaching next week. You wonder if the timing works out for them. Like they yeah. have to really feel what guaranteed they can get him. Baltimore is yeah, an interesting yeah. one, too. All right, we're concluding our time here at the <laughs> NFL Scouting Combine. I'm really sad because this has been so much fun. We'll be back in the Bristol studio on Monday, of course, with all the latest. Next week's going to be a big news week, but the action continues here in Indy. Live coverage now on NFL Network and NFL Plus through this evening as the DBs continue to work out. We're thankful to all of you who have joined us here over the last couple of days. Time for one more thing before we go. RC had Armina Kimes on the pivot. They tried to get her to pick her favorite analyst on the show. Here's what she said. <laughs> Dan Orlovsky has an ability to make fun of himself that is honestly unmatched, and it is what makes him, I mean, there's a lot of things that are special about him, but he doesn't take himself seriously, and it's incredible. Laura Relage, basically, like, you know, she's awesome hosting, you know, people don't know what a host does. She basically, like, produces our show. She's, like, so invested. She cares so much about making it like I've never met anyone who cares more about her work than her is nuts. Um RC, you know, I mean he's like good at everything. There have been moments where I was like doubting myself or insecure. I think you pick me up more than anyone. I've been on TV with you and even like once I was upset and literally the whole show, every segment, he was like, Mina made a great point. I can't even tell you how like that sounds so small, but like it completely turned my head around and he Boosts me so much with the football stuff too. It's unbelievable. Um, Marcus is probably like the most caring person I've ever met in my life. Like he literally is like, I know he seems that way, so it's like probably not surprising to people. He's just like the he's like a son. Like he like just emits warmth. That's why people. He's probably the most naturally charismatic person I've ever been around. But that warmth is like real and it's not fake, and you feel it every time you're around him. That was dope. Right? Okay, and now we get to praise Mina. <laughs> no, 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 Who is the most talented, incredible trailblazer that we are so lucky to have on our show. Yeah. Tune into the pivot for the entire episode. Yeah, it's excellent. It. We'll see you next week on NFL Live. I'm watch that one. I need a hoodie, though.